Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we strive for is we strive to make our conversation less than fascinating so that you can feel free to drift off or to relax and hopefully uh, you'll find your bliss. I want to thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and this is a part two and I'm welcoming back Daniel Krolik. Welcome back to The Insomnia Project. Thank you, Marco. Daniel, we to- we spoke about um, plays and playwrights, and we started to go off on a little bit of a tangent of musicals, and I said, we have to have a part two. <laughs> so let's talk about musicals. In particular, let's talk about Broadway musicals. Sure. What is a Broadway musical that you would recommend to someone who's never really seen a musical, a good introduction musical to the novice? Oh, um, I'm always sort of hesitant. Okay. Uh, I think I think everybody loves Guys and Dolls. Okay. I think everybody loves Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. So those those might be my my go tos for people who say, "Oh well, I don't like musicals very much," mm-hmm. or "I don't know anything." I, th- I think those are uh, those might be two good gateway shows for people who don't either know or like the art form. I'm going to ask you what I asked in the last episode, what, which was you would mention a, a play and I would mention what, what you thought of the film adaptation of it. So <laughs> sure. what, are, what are your thoughts of the film adaptation of Little Shop of Horrors? They're good. Yeah. They're good. I mean, it's also, it came out when I was, I think, I don't know, maybe nine, eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that early age, it left a huge impression on me. Um, I like I like movies that uh, I like musical adaptations that commit to film a stage a stage performance. Okay. So if for nothing else, and it's a very good movie, mm-hmm. but if for nothing else, the fact that Little Shop of Horrors got Ellen Green's uh, performance as Audrey mm-hmm. on film, that alone makes it important. I see. I see. I want to talk to you about a playwright. Would you call a person who writes musicals a playwright? Who are you? Andrew Lloyd Webber. Well, he's a composer. Composer. Yeah. Oh, because he's so associated with so many um, musicals, right? Mm-hmm. So he's the composer, and then who's the, like, does he work with a partner who then he, writes the, the, the lyrics? The, or how yeah, does that he, work? Well, he, he's worked with, over his career, he's worked with a number of different lyricists. I see. Um, and a number of different librettists. Okay. Because uh, so, our, what's the difference between the two? Now we're going to get into specifics. Well, because I just think when I hear Andrew Lloyd Webber, mm-hmm. I think Cats, Evita, all his shows as you should at, that are his, and you just uh, one assumes or I assume wrongly 
that he's done the whole thing, but clearly he hasn't. He has not. He has, uh, throughout his career, he has only ever, unless if I'm mistaken, he has only ever written the music, and he does not write the lyrics, and he does not write the script. So what's the difference? So he writes... Like, he'll be on a piano, and he'll write the melodies and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. And he'll have someone else who will write the lyrics to that a song. Mm-hmm. And then you said a, a... A librettist or a book writer who will write the script. The script, so that if the musical has talking parts, that's what they write. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And and generally speaking, uh, the book writer will shape the show. Oh, the I book see. writer is the one who forms the narrative, who... Who structures the show? Now, in a musical, there would also be a dramaturge. Could there be? There could be. Okay. Um, not not necessarily, but there there certainly could be. Okay. Well, look at that. Look at all the things you want to learn. <laughs> um, oh, we should explain what a dramaturge is. Uh, someone who, correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel, uh-huh. who looks at the play and makes sure that it makes sense and things that are written about are correct and sort of looks at the overall picture yeah. to ensure that it's um yeah and also something um that a dramaturge can do which mm-hmm. i find particularly useful i haven't worked with too many in my career um but if the show takes place during any particular era mm-hmm. the dramaturge will do a lot of research and put certain events in the show in some sort of historical context and answer questions about whatever was going on in the period that the show was set i see okay now, back to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Sure. What do you think of his musicals, and what is your favorite and least favorite? <laughs> well, he's he's an easy person to disparage and to right. make fun of. But uh, because I'm from a particular generation, one of my earliest exposures to musical theater was Cats. Okay. Um, so, you know, Cats... And Joseph, too, mm-hmm. uh, because Joseph is such a popular show, um, before I discovered works that might be more adult, more sophisticated, okay. I knew all of the songs in Cats. I knew mm-hmm. all of the songs in Joseph from, you know, from a very early age. Um, I think, even though I've never seen it on stage, I think Evita is is such a terrific piece of work. Right. Now, one can appreciate... Um a musical, even if you don't see it, by just listening to the soundtrack, would you say? For sure. Is there yeah. a musical that you haven't seen, but you've listened to the soundtrack that you're like, I would really love to see this on stage? Hmm. Uh, yeah, there's there's a bunch. I love, in particular, uh, the musical version of Zorba. You know, oh, are, you, are you familiar with the film Zorba the Greek? Yeah, that's with... Um, Anthony Quinn? Yeah. Yeah, and there was... Um, I've never seen it, but I'm familiar with yeah. the... Okay. Yeah. Um, there so was, there was a, a musical? A musical adaptation uh, of Zorba written by Kander and Ebb, who are the gentlemen who wrote uh, Cabaret, okay. Chicago, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Uh, they wrote the song New York, New York. Oh, that yeah. was in a musical? No, they wrote it for they, wrote, they it. wrote it for the movie uh, with uh, Liza and Robert De Niro. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So, so what was this musical about Zorba the Greek called? Zorba. Oh, it's called Zorba. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Like it's just <laughs> you're like an encyclopedia. I've said this on the other well. podcast. Um, tell me about a musical flop that you are the most sort of. In awe. Of. Oh, I have a lot. Okay. I have a well, lot. Well, let's talk a little bit about musical flops. Uh, yeah. What uh, makes a musical flop? 
oh, it could be it could be anything. Okay. It could be it could be badly timed. It could open mm. during the winter where they couldn't get an audience. Um, it could be a reviewer who got up on the wrong side of bed and mm. wrote a cranky review. Uh, it could be a show with a lot of wonderful elements, but stuff that was insurmountable, stuff I that see. couldn't work. So, like, would would. Would Spider-Man fall into that? Because that was a recent flop. Yeah. Just like they tried and so Spider-Man's, hard. And Spider-Man is such a singular case. Right. I have to say that I recently read a book called Song of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which was written by Glenn Berger, uh, who wrote the, the book, the libretto to Spider-Man the musical. And it's his account of what transpired over the course of the show. Oh, wow. Um, and and the, the thing is that... Is that Flops are less and less common because musicals in in this day and age they're so expensive to mount. Right. Um, so usually producers will will have some sort of um, not insurance, but will will budget it so that they could run at least a few months. So musicals from the seventies and eighties, for example, um, that ran one night or one week, right. those are less and less common. I see because it takes so much capital to to get something on its feet. So if you were to pick your favorite flops, okay. what would they be? I have a couple. Um, I talk about this a lot, but I love the show Merrily We Roll Along. Never heard of it. It's it's uh, a Stephen Sondheim show. Oh, okay, um, which deals with uh, a group of three friends. Um, and it starts off when they just graduated college and they moved to New York and they have these big dreams and it ends with them becoming very disillusioned with each other, full of cynicism, full of bitterness about how their lives turned out, but the story moves backwards. Okay. So the story will start off with the end of their friendship and then each scene is set just a few years before the previous one and it'll move backwards in time. So the show ends, uh, at the beginning. Oh, wow. And have you ever seen this on stage? I was in it. Oh, when you I were was, in it. Okay. Uh, when I was in summer camp, when I was, I think, fourteen. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I saw. I, I've seen it twice. I saw a college production, and the Shaw Festival did it many years ago. So even though it was a flop, mm-hmm. it's still being done. Yeah. Is be- it because it's Sondheim? Yes, because mm-hmm. it has. Um, the themes are really uh, penetrating. The themes of ideals and success, and how success can make or break a relationship. Um, and it has a magnificent score, and it's a show that um, is almost never done in the same version twice, because um, there's been so many uh, edits, and uh, oh. the book writer, the script writer, has has changed it so much. So it's a show that, thirty odd years later, it's still in a state of evolution. Wow. And when we talk about Sondheim, does he have a particular style? Because I know there's a lot of sort yeah. of musical musical composers or writers that have a specific style what is his style i would say um and it's 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 difficult because he's written you know i mean he wrote sweeney todd which takes place in victorian england right and then he wrote company which takes place in manhattan in the 70s okay um so and he adapts himself to the style um so even though those two particular shows take place in very disparate eras right. um you could still you could still tell that it's a sondheim show um i guess because i don't know his trademarks are lyrical density okay um challenging music oh he has challenging music yeah is he the one that has the most challenging music i know that there's another guy 
Oh, Daniel, this is it's where okay. I, re I really show that I don't know much about <laughs> no, this no, subject. No, no, no. You know the one who you sing really, really fast? There's a lot of words. Gilbert in and Sullivan? Yeah, I think that's who it is. Who, who like, you know, there's a lot. It did... Like the Pirates of yes. Penzance? Okay, that's is that exactly, what you're talking Yeah, about? that's exactly okay. who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Is... Is their work difficult too, Gilbert and Sullivan, to do? Yeah, you know what? I recently had to learn um, Modern Major General okay. for a concert show in mm -hmm. November. Um, are, do you know the song? I am yeah, the very model. I think that's yeah. the one that I'm thinking of. That that yes. is really dense yes. with regards to yeah, and that's what Gilbert and Sullivan were known for. Where okay. they were known for their verbal trickery, their patter songs. Right. Um, they, is it a difficult one to learn or sing? Modern, well, any, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I haven't, I haven't had a ton of experience okay. with with performing Gilbert and Sullivan, but for sure, for sure. Wow, is there a musical author or playwright? I don't know what you'd call mm -hmm. a musical person who writes musicals that you would go see blindly because you just love their works. Again, Sondheim. Okay. Absolutely Sondheim. Uh, and also, I brought them up earlier, but Candor and Ebb, okay. who wrote uh, Zorba Chicago Cabaret. Okay. Now, what about a musical that you went to with high hopes and left a little bit disappointed? Oh. Um, there was recently a tour of If Then, which came to Toronto, okay. I guess. I don't know, maybe seven or eight months ago. Okay. Um, it was the musical, uh, I believe it was written by the same people who wrote Next to Normal. Okay. Which did extremely well and mm -hmm. which is, it's, it's really great. Um, and uh, If Then contained a number of terrific songs. Okay. But... Any that I would know? No, None that made it. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, it, and it was an Adina Menzel show originally, okay. so it's a lot of big belting songs, oh, you know, like her vocal style. She's one of the people who sang on Frozen. Exactly. Right? Okay. And she was uh, Elphaba, the, the original Elphaba from Wicked. Yeah. yeah. Which I didn't like Wicked. I no? felt like Wicked. Now, this might be controversial. It's only my personal opinion, but I felt like Act One of Wicked was, Act Two was exactly like Act One. It felt the same. I had a lot of problems with Wicked okay. because I had read the book that it was based on. Okay. I had read the Gregory Maguire book, which I fell in love with. Mm -hmm. um, and Act Act One is relatively faithful. Okay. It makes some changes, but it's relatively faithful. And uh, Act Two is almost completely new. Oh, I and see. does not adhere to the book. Okay. Um, and I I walked out of Wicked missing a lot of what I loved in the book. Oh, interesting. Because the book um, is very political. Mm -hmm. It, uh, in accordance with L. Frank Baum, it sort of uses Oz as a political analogy. Um, and I missed a lot of that in in the musical, which ended up being just about this love triangle between the two witches. And right. The, yeah. Right. Uh, it had a lot of theatrical effects and whatnot. But it's a beautiful show. Yeah, it's but, a beautifully staged show. But didn't do much for me. But I loved... Les Mis. Les Mis I saw when I was like 17 yep. and just loved every minute of it. And I remember I was with a bunch of friends from high school and a lot of them were like, oh, it was so long. And I was like, it felt like it was over in 20 minutes to me. I think I think that show has really stood the test of time. And why do you think that is? Mm. Um, is it the themes? Is it the music? I think it's I think it's everything. Okay. I think I think the show has a lot of um, standalone songs like okay. uh, On My Own or Bring Him Home or An I Dreamed a Dream. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of songs that have had a life. 
outside of the show, sure. which for a culture that doesn't listen to musicals, it's, right. you know, but again, it's happening with Hamilton where, where Hamilton really has a life outside of people who, who don't know about Broadway and who sure. don't know about musicals. Um, but I think Les Mis is a ambitious, powerful, powerfully written work mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that I think still resonates. There you go. Yeah. What do you think of Hamilton and uh, In the Heights, I believe, is what Lynn... Yeah, yeah. Lynn... Is, I, oh, I'm so taken with Hamilton. Are you? I really am. Um, and I think it. I, it's one of those works that it came out at just the right moment in history, mm-hmm. just the right moment in time uh, with the end. It, it came out at the end of the Obama administration. And sure. it was so that it, it, it's, it's just something that came out that was perfectly tuned into what was happening in the country, in America at that given moment in history. It was so perfectly in tune with, with the culture. Right. Well, there you go. And one you it would okay i don't know how to say this delicately so i'll just say it i never want to see a disney musical okay. i saw i saw beauty and the beast on yes. broadway okay and was just like i don't know i I'm didn't sad. enjoy it That's i didn't okay. enjoy it at all because i had seen the animated yeah. version of it it was like what am i watching here what yeah. i saw in the animated version and just did not love it that's okay i feel i feel similar mm-hmm. um I don't know if I've ever seen the stage version of Beauty okay. and the Beast. The movie is so perfect. Right. Um, and I think, and that was, uh, it predated The Lion King. Right. And The Lion King was the one that Julie Taymor uh, completely reconceived. Yes. So it doesn't, so aesthetically, it does not resemble the movie whatsoever. And w- what does Julie Taymor do? Like, what is her role? She's a director. She directs. But. She also um, designed for the Lion King. She also, uh, not completely on her own, but she also designed a lot of the the looks and the masks and the and how they work and whatnot. Yeah. That's why I've always been confused because I know that she's heralded, in particular with regards to the Lion King, and she's also lambasted because she was the original director of the Spider Man musical. Oh, see, yeah, there you go, like on the yeah. cutting edge. There, like... Who was um, let go? Who was very controversially let go from spider-man why what was it that she did or didn't do that caused this you read this book i read this book which which i can't recommend highly enough okay and and again truth is subjective and who knows what went down um but she was so ambitious but she couldn't tell the story clearly enough um and Apparently, her version of the Spider-Man musical was super ambitious, um, but just dramatically, dramaturgically, mm-hmm. just very muddy. Oh, wow. From what I understand. You know, we were talking about flops, and they made a musical version of Rocky that didn't last that very didn't long. That didn't do that well. Yeah. yeah. And a friend of mine saw it mm-hmm. and said the staging of it was incredible. Yeah, because I think they, I think the ring uh, levitates like the boxing ring, from what I understand. I couldn't tell you more than that, but okay. I just know Mark Andrada saw it yeah. and was talking. Uh, and uh, Rocky, the the people who wrote the music to Rocky, um, which I haven't heard yet, uh, wrote the music to Ragtime, which is oh, really? wonderful work. Okay. Uh, one what song... is Ragtime about? I always hear yeah. it mentioned. Um, it's, it's, it's based on this terrific book. Uh, and it's sort of, uh, what, what's the word I'm going to look for? A cornucopia. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a big epic 
work um, about uh, the struggles in uh, turn of the century New York. So okay. it deals with a family, a very white upper class, fa- uh, a, a white upper class family who lives in in New Rochelle, mm-hmm. whose old money came over on the Mayflower. Uh, it deals with uh, Jewish immigrants just getting through Ellis Island, who are penniless, who work in factories. Okay, uh, and it deals with um, black people and racial inequality. Wow, um, and it's how characters from all three of these groups intersect and inform each other. Um, but it also fictionalizes a lot of celebrities and a lot of famous people oh, really? in that era. So um, J.P. Morgan, Henry Ford, right. Emma Goldman, they're all characters in this big historical narrative. Oh, see, I had no idea what it was about, but you always hear, or I always hear, <laughs> yeah. ragtime, this, ragtime. Well, is there it, a song from ragtime that is really popular, um, or is it... I know there's just something yeah. about it. I always there's a song called "Wheels of a Dream," okay. which gets sung a lot. Um, it's it's a big show, mm-hmm. so it it doesn't get done a lot, and it, it's it's just a big epic okay. epic show. Okay. And it was also produced by Garth Rubinsky at the just when his empire was collapsing. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. So my goodness, Daniel, you know so much. <laughs> uh, now, I asked you this in the previous episode that we did about playwrights. Yeah. Is there a actor you would like to see in a musical that you haven't seen yet? Mm. Oh. I would guess uh-huh. Bernadette Peters. I, I've, you... I've seen her. Oh, you have? I saw her in Follies. Okay. Um, How was she? She was terrific. Okay. And she took... What she did in Follies, which I really liked, was she was playing a not necessarily likable character. Okay. And she didn't do anything to make her more likable. Okay. Which I really sort of found commendable and risky. Right. Um, I mean, if I could go in a time machine. Sure. And if I could see Angela Lansbury. Okay. In Sweeney Todd or in Mame, uh, I would do that. Okay. I would go Fair. back in time 30, 40, 50 years and see Angela Lansbury at her height. I remember when she was doing Deuce on Broadway because we would be... I was working on, a cruise, ship. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. a cruise ship and we yeah. docked in New York and I would always see these big signs for her. Yeah. I've never seen her. Okay. Um, I mean, I've been fortunate to see a lot of, a, a lot of phenomenal performances. Like what are people. some of the phenomenal performances you've seen? Um, I, I saw Fun Home recently. Okay. Uh, I saw Michael, again, these are not household names, sure. but I saw Michael Cerverus in Fun Home. Which which is one of the best performances I've seen in my life. What is Fun Home? I've never. Fun Home is based on a graphic novel by Alison Bechtel. Oh wow! And it's a memoir. Um, Alison Bechtel is a really well known cartoonist who mm-hmm. happens to be gay, uh, and it's the the story of when she was coming out, um, and when she came out to her family. Oh wow! Uh, shortly after she came out, her father subsequently came out. Wow! Um, and then sadly stepped in front of a truck on the highway and killed himself. Oh my goodness. Um, And the show takes place, uh, the show is remarkable. The show takes place in several different uh, time eras. And there's three actresses who play the role of Allison. Okay. Um, So there's a child, uh, a teenager and a grown woman. So this is biographical as well? Yes. So the the graphic novel, the graphic novel is biographical. And then this musical is based on the, Graphic novel, am I correct? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, and it's called Fun Home because her father was a funeral director. Oh, wow. And the slang was they called the funeral home the fun home. Where does one... I've never even heard of this now. <laughs> I want to see it. Was it on Broadway recently? It was on Broadway. It won the best musical, Tony. 
uh, and it it's not running anymore, but okay. it did for for a musical about a very risky subject matter. It did very very well. Wow, I remember when um, oh, what was that musical that didn't do well that was recently on Broadway. And it was about a carnival and si- sideshow. I think it was called sideshow. Oh yeah, it didn't yeah, yeah. do well. Like it didn't. No, and that was a revival because I had I had actually seen the original sideshow. Oh, which was I guess um, maybe like ninety eight or ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And what is it about other than a carnival? Once again, well, see, it's it's about should... it's 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 it also it has very risky subject matter. It's about um, a real life set of Siamese twins of conjoined twins, um, and how they were taken. Uh, from the sideshow, from the freak show, right. and sort of thrust into the world of entertainment. And oh, how wow. they became sort of cult celebrities. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, I do want to mention before uh, we finish that, you also do a podcast. And I mentioned in the, the previous episode that we did, but you do a podcast called Bad Gay Movies, BGM. Mm-hmm. You want to look it up on mm-hmm. iTunes. Or it could also stand for Bitchy Gay Men. Or you could go to badgaymovies.com. You sure can. And hear more from Daniel. And it's nothing like this. No, fair <laughs> enough. But do you ever talk about musical movies? Musical adaptations? We do. Yeah, we did. We did an episode on MAME. Okay. What is MAME about? MAME is about... It's based on a very well-known play called Anti-MAME. Okay. Uh, MAME is about a little boy in the 1920s who is orphaned and who is trusted uh, to the care of his wacky, wealthy flapper aunt, okay. Auntie Mame. And it's sort of about all the adventures that she takes him on. I see. A lot of, it looks like, it seems like a lot of musicals are about orphans. Because you've got Oliver, Annie, yeah. Oliver, mm-hmm. this one, Mame. There are orphans in Les Mis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I guess someone should write a musical called Orphan. With an exclamation mark, maybe? Sure. Yeah. All about orphans. <laughs> Um, May, well, that's what you would call the Orphan Black musical. You would just oh, you would just call it Orphan. orphan. Wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm. Um, now, who played in the movie Mame, and who well, was on the original? Unfortunately for oh. all of us, uh, Angela Lansbury originated the role of Mame. Okay. In the movie, it was done by Lucille Ball. Now, why didn't it go to Angela Lansbury? Because Lucille Ball was a gigantic star icon. Oh, and, I see. And, and Angela Lansbury, before Murder, she wrote, um, was not a household name. Oh. She was a successful Actor. leading lady, right. but she wasn't a household name. I see. Um, Lucille Ball was a notorious chain smoker. She right. smoked her entire life. Um, and when you listen to her sing in Mame, she can barely get through the songs. Oh, really? And apparently... Um, her takes were all spliced together because she didn't have the capacity to sing an entire song from oh. beginning to end. Um, and she was she was in her 60s when the film was shot, and there's all this gauze around the camera. Oh, no. Everything is shot in this extreme soft focus. I see. To make her look younger. Okay, so I guess it didn't get a great review. It's one of the most notorious failures wow the movie version right um it does but again it does have b arthur in it as the best friend okay uh and did she play originally she did the, oh she originally so if role. nothing else it's okay. useful because it preserves b arthur's performance and does she do a good job she's great okay she's wonderful wow any musicals you look forward to seeing hmm. that oh. are perhaps coming out oh or... i'm very excited about war paint oh what's um, that about it's about the rivalry between um, 
Elizabeth Arden, who the the, the cosmetics, the, the makeup. Uh, oh my goodness! And uh, Helena Rubinstein, who was also a makeup titan, um, and they're being played by uh, Christine Ebersole. Uh, who's that? Uh, she did Grey Gardens. Okay, okay. And you would recognize her. Okay. She's done a million sitcoms and movies. Uh, and Patty Lupone. Who is famous because... Uh, didn't she play Evita? She, is, she sure did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So who's doing this? Uh, uh, who's... Who's... Like, when is this coming out? Uh, the spring. So it's coming out, I think, in April on Broadway. Now, the reason, the reason I'm finding this very exciting uh-huh. is, if I'm not mistaken... Was it Elizabeth Arden? I'm just looking this up as sure. we speak. Um, was born in the town that I lived in. She's that Canadian. I yeah, she was, she's Canadian. She's yeah. from Woodbridge, Ontario. I didn't That's where, know she yeah, was yeah. from Woodbridge. Yeah, I knew so she was Canadian. I've mentioned her before because I grew up in Woodbridge. You sure did. Which is part of Vaughan, the city of Vaughan. Mm-hmm. And she's from that area. So I'd be interested to see this too, if they met, if they reference it at all. Well, I, they do reference her heritage. Okay. Um, and she's a she's a girl from, I mean, at the time, I think Woodbridge was the, the middle of nowhere. Oh, in the it was 90s, just farms. In the 1930s. I mean, it, and, was, yeah. it was farms up until the early 80s. It was just farmland. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's literally a girl from the far from the Podunk, States, right? Yeah, who who became this icon? So, well, Daniel, thank you so much. You're the icon of all things theater. To you me, are my so. icon, Marco. <laughs> there you go, Daniel Krolik. You can check him out badgaymovies.com. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. As always, we are produced by Drumcast Productions, and this particular episode was recorded in Toronto, Canada. 